no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> Hello, yes, welcome back to the 40-yard switch. We are recording this one live as we watch the second half of Switzerland versus Norway in uh, game day two of the Women's World Cup group stage. Uh, alongside me, one step, one, one seat across is Wilbur. <laughs> How you going? How you going? <laughs> Uh, and uh, next to us, but not appearing on the podcast, but we're how welcome to have his po- his company is Declan Riley. Hello, uh, <laughs> you heard him say hello. Hello, Declan. <laughs> how are you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's been as as now as we go around the tracks again for game day two. Um, last night saw the conclusion of uh, no, this today saw the conclusion of uh, game day one with uh, Colombia playing South Korea uh, and winning that one two nil. Uh, but yeah, we're just going to go back through, I guess, the this hasn't quite been a week, but it's been one match week, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and we'll just look at, give give you our thoughts, who's impressed us, who hasn't, who surprised us, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, it's been a, um interesting first game week. I think, yeah, it started, started quite interestingly with New Zealand beating Norway, uh, obviously. Um, yeah, big upset. I mean, I think during the Women's Euros, Norway like were not quite as good as we expected them to be, and they were also not quite as good as we expected them to be on the first mm. on the first game. Yeah, big time. Um, My pick for them to be dark horse if they like quote unquote could figure it out seems to be like they haven't quite figured it out. And then, in fact, in this game that we're watching now, uh, they've uh, Hegarisa has dropped Carolina Graham Hansen, and uh, I'm not sure if she dropped or was forced into the change, but uh, Ada Hegerberg has uh, didn't. Like didn't play with no obvious yeah with no obvious injury but uh was what's the word withdrawn uh yeah. 30 seconds before kickoff mm. um in the first half so i think yeah there's something to be said about norway not being that good but also new zealand came out and like just like seemed like they wanted it a bit more and were yeah. like winning all the 50 50 balls in midfield and yeah i mean oh. graham hansen and hergerberg didn't actually see that much of it no in the first half that i saw um, save for like one run that uh, Hansen made down like the right wing. That Hegerberg's shot was blocked from, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, New Zealand were very good and deserved, probably deserved to win. Yeah, 100%. And like enough can't be said about how much of an impact it can have or be, sorry, uh, playing in front of 45,000 or however many it was, home fans mm. who like, if you listen to some of like the video audio from that, or not even audio, just the video from the, that game, the the noise levels in that in Eden Park were just crazy. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's that definitely had to have played a part. Um, like Norway would have already been, been a little bit nervous having known how they performed in their last big tournament, and then to come into that sort of atmosphere, and it would have only spurred on New Zealand because they would have had nothing to lose. They'd never won a game before in a World Cup, so yeah, yeah, and never beaten Norway before. Ever. Exactly as well. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, huge result. Huge yeah, result for I, the, I the football the, fans. I liked the matchup at corners between is it Wilkinson the Hannah Wilkinson yeah, yeah Hannah Wilkinson and uh, Ada Hergerberg yeah um, they're both huge yeah it was a good um, definitely a, a couple of tall timbers yeah 
How much? How much of the Matildas opening game did you? Not much. Not much. Yeah. I've like watched bits back and like read, I read up on it, but yeah, it just seemed like things didn't quite click offensively without Kerr. Yeah, and yeah, you know, I guess you were, you watched the whole game, so you're probably in a better position to give your opinion on that one than I. Am. Yeah, I I think they were just like a bit unconvincing. Um, obviously on the whole, only beating only beating them one nil, and probably got away with a little bit, like obviously scoring the penalty as they did. Okay, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like that can happen, especially obviously Sam Kerr's late withdrawal and going in like to your to a home tournament where you're expected to like do quite well. Yeah, it's like you, almost, you can be a bit nervy in the first game. And it's to, almost like the flip side of what New Zealand would have faced. Exactly, exactly. And like I think to get a result despite essentially all of that pressure is is a decent effort even though they didn't play it that well I think also the physicality of Ireland potentially was a big leveler in that game it's something Australia maybe weren't ready for from what, from reports that I've heard yeah yeah led by the very robust Katie McCabe mm. just sort of lots of lots of lots of pushing lots of you know going in half tackles um, getting under the Australian skin and it almost worked like uh, almost got an equaliser. In fact, you could almost say they deserved an equaliser. Yeah, towards, towards the, the end, end of the game, they yeah. had like I think it was like two or three chances late in the game to, well, it came close at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the penalty was very, very good. Yeah, and like taken very, very well. So no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's it's interesting now because obviously the, all of all of those who are listening have heard that Sam Curry's. 100% out for the second game against Nigeria and then they'll reassess uh, her after that game with regards to the third game against Canada and uh, after that. My read on that is if you were confident she was going to play the third game, you wouldn't have to reassess after the second. And mm. often reassessing after the second game is more like we'll have a better idea for how much longer she'll be out for, not when she's going to be back. Like, you know what I mean? Like, not like that's the same thing, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like reassessing is like, oh, okay, she'll be out for the third game, but not the fourth game. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just, um, just I, I've had enough experience in watching and listening to football journalists and tweets over the years, and I'm sure you have as well. Yeah. Where it's like the wording of a tweet like that or a statement like that where it says she'll be reassessed after game two is like yeah. yeah and I mean obviously because she's such an important player they probably want to get her back as soon as possible so yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it all sort of hinges on how how the Nigeria game goes if the, if the Nigeria game goes well and they win it and they win it then they won't they probably won't won't rush even try rushing her back and they'll probably leave probably rest a couple more players against Canada mm. just because Canada if or to be fair, yeah, if Canada don't get a result against Ireland, like they draw or they lose, then Australia will top the group. And if they do, then like I'm not sure how how much the risk versus reward of playing Kerr in a game where they don't need to win to qualify, uh, they don't need to top the group, yeah, would come into play. Yeah, exactly. And like, yeah, she's the sort of player who's going to hit the ground running like once she does come back in. So yeah. exactly, yeah, getting her back into build into the into the knockout stage isn't really a thing yeah but yeah I think I mean it's going to be hard because Nigeria played quite well against a very good Canada team they so did that's although not going to be an easy I, I did think Canada, like the Nigeria were good and Canada are a good team on paper but I did think Canada would from like I watched a fair bit of that game live and they were pretty disappointing 
Okay. Like true. just did a lot of st- a lot of like didn't move the ball overly quickly. Didn't seem to have too many ideas outside of just like lobbing the ball into the box and trying to like get get it to Jordan Heidemer who's tall or feed on the scraps of like a like a second ball. Yeah. Um did, did you see much of was it, is is it Oshawala for Nigeria? Yeah, she didn't get a lot of service either. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Again, it was just a lot of like turnover of possession. Yeah, okay. So yeah. That's what, and like Canada had more of the possession in Nigeria's half, but again, it was a lot of like they gave the ball away. Nigeria would try and break; they'd give the ball away. Yeah, yeah. Nigeria did get in in behind a couple of times in the second half, uh, and had one goal disallowed for offside, which was very close, but. Yeah, I guess the the main talking point of that game was the penalty save, which was incredible. I guess one of the talking points for Christine the Christine Sinclair took the penalty. Right? Yeah, yeah. One yeah. of the talking points for the whole World Cup so far has been the lack of scored penalties. Yeah, I think it's something like four out of a possible like nine penalties have been scored. Like under fifty percent of penalties that have been taken yeah. have been scored, which is crazy. That's including the ones that have been pulled back. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. wild. Mm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the encroachment by so many keepers. Yeah, like Zambia and and Haiti definitely. Uh, I can remember. Yeah. You just like like I get it. Like I get that that's the rules, but yeah. I hate it. <laughs> I just I hate that you know it's made that easy. But you know those are the rules. And like, yeah. yeah, because you don't. You know the thing is you don't. You do get a bit of an advantage. Yeah, but do you that. don't close it down that much. Um, I don't know. Anyway. I'm 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 not here saying the rules should yeah, change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> yeah, because because like penalty saves are such a huge drama. I, I do get where you're coming from. Yeah. yeah, and there's been been like you know, um, like good stories like potentially around those penalty saves, like smaller nations stopping you mm. know the penalties of like bigger nations. So yeah, I found it a little bit disappointing. But no, yeah. for sure, for the whole theater of the the World Cup, yeah. it definitely detracts from that. But yeah, them's the rules, I suppose. Um. Mm. So yeah, those are like with regards to Australia and penalties and stuff. Those are some of the interesting storylines uh, that we want to get out of the way first. But I guess as we go through now, I guess we sort of talk about the teams that have impressed us the most so far because we've talked about a couple of teams that have maybe been a little bit disappointing: mm. Norway, Australia, and maybe even Canada. Like this, I just just then to a degree. Yeah. Um, but just wait, just quickly on disappointing teams: yeah. England. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. that's sorry, and. and England, Canada, oh, and France a little bit, I thought, as well. Yeah. yeah. I th- so yeah, we'll start there. We'll start there. The rest of the teams that have disappointed us so far, then we'll talk about the teams that have impressed us. Yeah. End on a high note. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, England, obviously, just quite underwhelming. Just, like, struggled yeah. to... I think, you know, if you look at the stats, they had the most of the possession, they had most of the shots, but the majority of those shots weren't very significant. I think, on the whole, they struggled to break Haiti down, mm. and then defensively they you know they had moments where they could have very easily cop goals if mm. Haiti were a little bit more um uh accurate and Demond- or if Mario Epps D- D- wasn't an inspired firm for yeah true that that one down to her left yeah with her left crazy. foot crazy save but yeah and I think the other thing was uh De Mornay was very 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 good, good yeah <laughs> she's a jet yeah uh but yeah I just think like uh, it's just it's just no no team miss oh my god as switzerland go very close uh no team who is missing players is missing players like england are missing beth mead and leo williamson yeah and frank Kirby. no frank kirby frank kirby yeah frank kirby yeah 
Brown Kirby to an extent as well. Mm. But yeah, Beth Mead, what, player of the tournament at the Euros, um, top three in the Ballon d'Or voting. Yeah. And Leah Williamson, just like England captain, Arsenal captain, like... Mm. Yeah, I, I think... And just a really good central defender, like, in amongst the, the best central defenders in the world. Yeah, exactly. Like, they miss that kind of, like, just sharpness going forward. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, obviously there were a few shaky moments. In yeah, I think well. what Lee Williamson brings in more ways than one to the back line of England, on one hand, she's just a generally good defender. Yeah. Like, a better defender than Jess Carter or Millie Bright. On the other hand, I think it's 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 similar in I don't, I don't like continually bringing um, comparisons between the men's and women's game, but it's a similar effect in like organizational and sort of like reading the game that like Virgil Van Dijk has to Liverpool. Yeah, where like he she can sort of read situations and like drop into space or drop out of space where needed to like cut so almost cut an attack off before it happens. Mm. At all, and all just just her overall general communication skills to marshal that back line hmm. and yeah. keep it organized was lacking. And you saw, obviously, like, for one of the chances that De Mornay had, like, Millie Bright or Jess Carter was, like, drawn way out of position and then Jess Carter or Millie Bright... I think it was Jess Carter. Millie Bright was out of position and then Jess Carter had to, like, drop in and cover for that. And it was just... And then the back line was, like, completely sixes and sevens. Yeah. And I think that happens... Or at least happened less in the Euros with Lee Williamson in the team. Do you think it's a case of like, like a potentially different looking like team, just finding their feet, or do you think it spells a bit of trouble? I think it's it's a bit of both because it's it's definitely like, like obviously England have had a couple of international windows since Lee Williamson went down, but like it's definitely still like getting used to because like Lily like it's what like they would have played like six maybe games yeah. since Leah Williamson maybe seven Leah Williamson's, Leah Williamson's injury till now so this obviously still getting used to playing with each other in the back line so it's an element of new players getting, getting to grips with each other but it's also an element of just like you can't as good as I'm sure Jess Carter is I haven't watched her a heap she's, she's not Leah Williamson yeah and as good as and uh, but I think and this is no disrespect to Chloe Kelly, but the drop-off from Beth Mead to Chloe Kelly is a lot more stark. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just missing those top-tier players is always going to have an yeah. effect. But I didn't... I think we thought it wasn't going to have as much of an effect. Yeah, and it um, definitely has. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't think we underestimated how good Beth Mead was, but maybe we, un, maybe we overestimated how good the next person up was yeah. in, in, in her replacement. Yeah, but yeah, um, England's maybe it'll be one of those cases that they sort it out as the group stage goes on, but not looking great. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think as well, yeah, it, it does need to be said that that Haiti did play pretty. Did well. play very well, yeah, yeah. So uh, don't want to understate that too much. So France, then next, I think it could have played better but also unlucky to not have one of those attempts find mm. the back of the net. Yeah. Hit the woodwork like twice, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, like, it seems to just be, like, Eugène Le Sommer, again, her hold-up play was okay, but in terms of, like, being a focal point for the attack, it seemed to be most of the chances, most of the the person who was the most on the end of the chances created by France was Diani. Yeah. Sort of yeah. just went from like right wing into sort of right side forward into just ended up being center forward for most of the game. Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, there was obviously the um, the very close ones where they hit the post. But yeah, I think Diani had a host of chances that maybe once she's a little bit sharper, she would put away. So yeah. I think, yeah, I think Jamaica did a good job and it's, a, it's an amazing result. Their first ever point in World yeah. Cup football, yeah. But yeah, I think um, they also, in a sense, got away got away with a few a few chances there. Mm. Um, but, you know... I don't think they're going to care about that too much. As they got a, a f- they got a point against France. I agree. Sorry, as, as there's a foul in the box here. Oh, she's given a free kick for Norway. Not a penalty. I this looked in the box for me. Or did she get the ball? Oh, maybe it was outside the box. That's right on the. Oh no, she gets the ball. That's a good tackle. But she's given the free kick there. Yeah. Oh no, corner, corner. Oh, given a corner. Okay. Good refereeing, good decision all around. Mm. Love to see it. Uh, yeah, I think, but I think also France will, with now seeing how well Brazil played, albeit against a tournament debutant in Panama, yeah, um, will rue not taking three points from that game. Mm. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Good segue into the uh, the teams who did play well. Team, yeah, teams that impressed us. Uh, so yes, Brazil with the first one. Um, watched. I didn't see the first half of this game uh, but I saw the second half and the second half seemed to be pretty similar to the first half it's just all Brazil um, Panama looked a little bit better once they brought on the player that I mentioned in my preview Riley Tanner yeah. um, she was a bit uh, a, a live wire and caused a little bit of um, uh, stress for Brazil uh, on the counter but yeah Brazil just knocking the ball around for fun um Playing with like that sort of vibrance that we all know them for, mm. um, but at the same time, being pretty like robust, defensively. robust defensively. Yeah, 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 there yeah. we go. Yeah, I think. <laughs> oh, I think. Um, yeah, I, something that they showed that you know some of the the teams that disappointed us uh, didn't is just that final like final third sharpness. Mm. Like we just spoke about, like England didn't show that. Um, and Brazil were just like ridiculous in that respect. Yeah, and um, it just shows that like against some of these nations that are making their debut, it's like you don't have to beat them with constant crosses into the box or, you know, the most beautifully taken needle piercing, yeah. uh, needle threading passes. It's just lots of quick passes to draw the defense out of out, out, of, of, shape, out, out yeah. of shape. And then... Uh, like, like the goal that I've posted on my Instagram story last night is a good through ball down down the left and then it's a, a little bit of nice flair with the little sort of flick pass and then it's just a perfectly timed ball into the box so you drag the, you drag the defense left left and outside of the box then do a quick little maneuver and then a perfectly timed run and pass and then obviously the flair at the end for the back heel but like she could have scored that if yeah. she didn't do a back heel anyway but it's just an extra that's the Brazilian touch on the end of it that we love to see. Yeah. Yeah, it was just good short, sharp passing that, that picked the d- defensive part. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Ari Borges, a uh, hat-trick and an assist. In, so had a hand in all four goals. Um, looks like if she continue that, she'll be up there with the likes of Pop and Sophia Smith and uh, I guess whoever else. I, those are the names that are jumping out at me for the Golden Boot right now. Yeah. But. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, Sophia Smith was very, very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I as, think, as were the States. Yeah, yeah. I think for the first goal as well, there was a little flick but for the, for this, the assist for Smith's first goal, mm-hmm. which was like so nice. Um, and then, yeah, they, they just went from strength to strength. Again, Vietnam like, had a tough time of really getting out of their half for yeah, most of that game. Yeah. I think, again, that they played decently, but, um, and, like, de- defended decently, but I think when there's that amount of pressure on you, it's just hard to, like, yeah. keep up with it. As the, uh, that, was also, that was the case in the Brazil-Panama game, and also in the case in the Germany-Morocco game, which is, yes, Germany, another team that uh, impressed greatly. I was at uh, Amy Park last night watching the Germans, uh, let's be honest here, dismantle that Morocco team. Mm. Um, Morocco had one or two chances in the first half where they had a couple of nice through balls in and they had some pacey forwards. But aside from one long shot from 30 yards that went straight into the keeper's chest, she was not troubled for the entire game. In fact, at one point she was like running up and down the length of the box just to stay warm. Mm. Um, which is pretty indicative of how yeah. untroubled she was. But yeah, Germany just looked incredible. Um, Alex Pop, you know, opening scoring within 11 minutes. Classic Pop, two headers, two goals. Yeah. Uh, Clara Buhl and Lena McGull on either wing, just looking super silky. Especially Clara Buhl, who was rewarded with a goal in the, in the, in the Second half after like thirty seconds, which I actually missed because I was still lining up for a hot dog. Oh, nice! <laughs> but it was—I've seen the goal since it was rain. It was a scramble in the box, but a well-taken finish in the end. Yeah. Uh, and the fact what was surprising for me was Germany was, was so good without the need to even bring Lena Oberdorf off the bench. Oh, she really? Didn't she, didn't, she didn't feature she at didn't all. Didn't feature at all. True. Yeah, which is worrying if they've got that much talent on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, just. Yeah, I think it's it's probably a result. So probably not the result. Like, you know, the Germany win is what you'd expect. But, yeah, I think they've definitely made a bit of a statement there. When, oh, yeah. When other countries who probably should have done something similar um, didn't didn't show the sharpness in the, in the first game week. Yeah. Oof, and another good attempt from Norway there. And it's still going. I think Norway have definitely sort of repaired their image of themselves in my head at least in yeah. this game maybe not to the levels I thought they could get but like a lot better showing than against New Zealand yeah and against a I, I feel hard it's it's harsh to say a better opposition than New Zealand but like tech tech like like in the general world standings outside of this World Cup a better opposition than yeah. New Zealand yeah as the corner from Drew Wrighton comes in and not quite a goal anyway uh, the last team that I want to touch on who impressed, but again, against a team that definitely allowed them to impress with Spain. But I think the reason I'm impressed mm. by that a little bit more, well, not a little, not more, but I'm just impressed with it despite the fact that it was against a poor Costa Rican defensive side, was was just all the stuff we talked about in the lead-up with all the drama that's going on. Yeah, true. And like they still they didn't look like they were phased by any mm. lack thereof of team chemistry. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It didn't look like they lacked team chemistry at all. Right? Like, no. Yeah, the, I think the goals that they scored in the end, like, you can pretty much, you know, like, how how the ball went in, you can pretty much put it down to some pretty poor Costa Rican defending. But, um... The passing know, and movement was... In the build-up, yeah. yeah, the passing and movement was, was very good. And, yeah, regardless of what Costa Rica did, to get a 3-0 win in your first match of the World Cup is like... Yeah. yeah. And Pateos got minutes in the legs off the bench. 
yeah. at the end of the game. So as did Marta for Brazil too. So I think they'll be slowly worked into the team because I don't think there's with big wins in their opening games, there's not a huge need for them to start the next game. Yeah. Uh, but I think the standout for me for Spain was uh, your girl. Salma Parueu. Yeah, she came close a few times. So. She was just a li- she was just yeah. a live wire in, down that left channel. She was really good, mm. really quick, uh, assertive dribbling, good close control. What a pick for me! Yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, I thought Hermoso, <laughs> kept I thought Hermoso as well, which who didn't play from, who didn't play in the Euros, was quite good in holding midfield as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting to keep one to keep an eye on. Mm. Uh, all right, so now we can. T- I guess we can talk about. Teams that oh sorry no the last team I can't how to forget about this team the last team that I really impressed me again albeit against the lowest ranked team in the at the World Cup was Japan oh yeah, yeah. Um, scored five could have been way more could have been eight mm. uh, they yeah dominated Zambia twenty six attempts yeah. to zero yeah I mean it's it's tough being this Zambia the seventy seventy seventh ranked side and lowest ranked side in the World Cup yeah. Uh, against the team, They're like it's 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 it, you can come up against teams. I think it was just a really bad matchup for Zambia because not only is Japan a good team, they're just one of those teams that just like will always find an extra 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 pass. Yeah. So when you're like defending for your lives, like they're not one of those teams who like a maybe like a a USA or a Netherlands who like will get it to a star player who will then try and just score. Mm. They'll just. Pass, 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 pass till you ran off your feet and you're out of position, and then they'll just score the final goal. Yeah. And for a team that probably not have, doesn't have the greatest defensive organization in Zambia, it was just the perfect storm for them to lose in such yeah. a way. Yeah, I, th- I think we I mean, we touched on it before the World Cup that they Zambia in recent history have struggled a lot defensively. Yeah. You know, in a similar fashion to this game, um, and you know that just that just. You know, played out in this game. Um, they didn't really have the possession to enable uh, Barbara Banda to get into the game at all. Um, and then, yeah, it just, yeah. Like, unfortunately, I feel like until they can figure that, you know, the, the defensive side out, it's going to be very yeah. hard for them to Same with Morocco. Like, impact. it was tough, tough to watch them score two own goals and stuff, but, like, their susceptibleness... To crosses into the box, mm. uh, and just general wing play from the German attackers was just too blatantly yeah. obvious uh, of an issue to for them to have any real success. They it might be different against a Korea or a Colombia, but I doubt it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so that's uh, all the teams that impressed us. Uh, it's five teams in total: Germany, Brazil, Japan, Spain, USA. Uh, next, uh, some teams that maybe surprised us they may have lost they may have drawn they may have won even hmm. but uh i i want to start with um even though they lost south africa yeah, yeah i, I thought I, I, they me. really gave and i i don't like i didn't i didn't watch the whole game obviously um but from what i've seen on the extended highlights that they they, they sweden didn't look like they were playing that badly but they just really made them work for it. I mean, they definitely sort of tailed off towards the end as they had their backs against the wall. Yeah. And it was kind of coming when Sweden scored. Mm. But to stick in a game against, what, the world number four ranked team or something like that is very impressive. Yeah, because, 
I think in their opening, I think it was at last World Cup, in their opening game at the last World Cup, they went 1-0 up against Spain. Mm. And they did the same thing, obviously, against Sweden, which is, you know, like we spoke about before the tournament, a front runner, uh, like one of the front runners to win the tournament. So, yeah, they played very well. Um, and, you know, probably disappointed in the end to not come away with at least a point after leading. Mm. But, like, yeah. That's just what good teams do, though. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think towards the end, it just looked like um, Sweden just kind of figured out that South Africa was struggling to defend like corners a little bit, yeah, and just kept and on putting it on top team. of the keeper, yeah, and then like that's basically how they won it in the end, yeah. So yeah, it's difficult when you can exploit a weakness like that, but yeah, yeah. big time. But South Africa played very well against one of the better teams in the competition. Yeah. Uh, another team that surprised me uh was colombia today mm. uh i i to be fair only surprised because i wasn't really sure what to expect from them um and while south korea had their chances colombia would definitely knock the ball around well and deserve winners in the end yeah so and yeah, in a group that's as open as that they could probably very easily now they've won that first game go through after after germany yeah and i suppose like we saw a bit of uh the highly touted uh, Lena Caicedo today, and yeah, she was very, very good. good and lived up lived up to the hype. Really, um, I mean, the goal, like you said, was a bit of a blunder, but yeah, she did good work in the build up. Yeah, she did. She really yeah. did. Uh, any other teams that su- have surprised you so far? I feel like we've covered a fair few. There's there's two more teams I want to talk about, but they didn't surprise me. It's more just sort of the yeah. Way. I think the other two were just kind of like hard to really tell what was going on. Is this the other two fixtures. Yeah, Netherlands, Portugal, and yeah, Denmark, China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. again, like, just not really, uh, not really sure what to like. Denmark and China similarly close in the world rankings, so I'm not really sure how to read that one. And then yeah, Portugal making their World Cup debut pushed Netherlands, but yeah, I feel like Netherlands are definitely the better team, but maybe still just like I said, they're, they're like I said before before the World Cup, they're a little bit of an unknown going into this, so. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. For, for that one, Netherlands were the better team and like just scraped it. Um, Denmark and China, like you said, it was very evenly poised. They both had heaps of chances, and Denmark just like you know, it's just one of those like yeah, they just got lucky on the day. I think yeah, a little from bit from a set piece. Yeah. I feel like yeah, I, it's just, I, I'm just, I'm just still yet to be convinced that Denmark's plan outside of get the ball to Panilla harder. Like, do they have a plan B? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Mm. Anyway. Um, but I think for China, there's, yeah, there's plenty of positives to take out of mm. that. And I feel like now that we've seen how poor England are and how good Haiti were, that that group is going to be wide open as yeah. well. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's been... It's been good. It's been a good first... There hasn't been... Yeah, I don't think there's been heaps of surprises because even, even the teams that have been like a little bit under... Um, where we'd expect them to be have kind of scraped through with mm. the result in the end. I guess so. today, with or like literally two hours ago, with uh, the Philippines getting their first ever win in World Cup football in their second ever game in World Cup football against New Zealand was a bit of a shock. But yeah, I guess yeah, New that, Zealand that result and New Zealand's result on the opening yeah. day, yeah, the two probably the, biggest shocks. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that'll that'll that's that's all she wrote for the for game game week one. Um, I guess we can talk about 
And I guess, well, yeah, I think it'll be slightly past game week two by the time we record again. Yeah. But we'll just have more to talk about then, I suppose. Um, so the men's... So one thing I want to touch on briefly before, or not so briefly, because there's a few, few, few names and transfers to get through, but the men's transfer window has had another wild week uh, in the past week. <laughs> Yeah, PSG leaving uh, Mbappe home. Yeah, for the tour. uh, so that's they're touring the US, is it? Yeah, they're, they're touring. No, they're touring Japan. Japan. Yeah. But yeah, that the Mbappe thing is where I want to start, really. Um, uh, so uh, Al Al Halal. Al Halal, which yeah. is which which team who who plays for them now? Which I'm pretty sure it's Kante, the team Kante, that Kante's right. going to, yeah. and Benzema. Uh, no, he plays for Al Ittihad. Oh fuck, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think Al Halal is the. Um, team that uh, Koulibaly plays for as well yeah um, anyway yeah the blue team yeah, yeah the, the blue, blue team, team yeah, yeah. Uh, but yes they've offered a ridiculous ridiculous package um, for Mbappe uh, one which totals if you count in wages and transfer fee 1 billion euros right so yeah. it's 300 million euros transfer fee is what they've offered to PSG and then the package they've offered to Mbappe is 700 million euros in one year. And then he's allowed to go join Real Madrid next year <laughs> for free. It's literally in the contract as reported by Fabrizio Romano, which and is just fucking stupid. Like, it's, oh, it's like mind-numbingly dumb. Like, yeah. so dumb. Like, he's like, even from, from like, I get like, you want to get good talent in your league to like boost the product of your league and get more eyes on it. Like, it, the amount of eyes and shirt sales or whatever that Mbappe is going to generate in one year for the Saturday League doesn't even come close to the amount they're going to spend on him. Yeah. Transfer money, transfer fee, and wages combined. Mm. Like, it's not worth it at all. Yeah. Like, not even slightly. I suppose it's just like, yeah, just just getting that name into their league is, is all they're interested in. And just throwing... Like, yeah, but what, I just, I just hate it. Like, like, I hate it so much. It's just... Dumb and, and and like and like I know like the 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 phrase like quote unquote ruining football like is it gets thrown around it but this is a thing that would that would go a long way into ruining like it's like one of like one of the two best talents in the world in before he's even reached his prime and yeah. I guess yeah it's no yeah I guess yes he can go to Real Madrid again like a year later or whatever but it's just like and for that amount of money too it's just obscene like ah mm. uh, it, it just it just pisses me off so much and it just like I know football already is like I'm going a bit of a rant here. <laughs> uh, I know football already is like becoming more and more unrelatable with the amount of money that's in the men's game, but like it just makes it like so much more like I've just detached from being interested about any team, any sort of team that Mbappe plays for, yeah. or like just or just elite football in general. Like I feel like at this point, especially with how good the Women's World Cup is being and how like interesting the non-league team that I follow was last year. Like I'm almost getting as much enjoyment out of watching those types of teams play than I am from this absolute circus, which is the European yeah. um, football, men's football sort of circuit right now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's obviously a stupid amount of money and it would be terrible for like, you know, top tier European football to lose Kylian Mbappe. Even if it's for a year, like I don't care. It's just like, because it's like if if you, if they can get him, then like who, who can't they get really? Like yeah. And then like and then like on top of that, like that does that's only like one of many issues with like the Saudi league. It's like there was all the stuff with the Chelsea, with Chelsea with how they helped Chelsea clean house, which is shady. Yeah. And now you've got 
Alan St. Maximin, who's 26, one of the most attack- exciting wingers in the Premier League, going to Al Ali, confirmed for 30 million euros. But it's, 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 like every you club... You go for 30 million. Yeah, every, every club in, this, in the Saudi league is owned by the same Saudi state that owns Newcastle. So like, how is that legitimate? I don't understand it. Yeah. Like, and then you've got some... This guy called... I'm not sure if you remember the name Malcolm, like the Brazilian wonder kid from a few years ago. No, I don't remember. But like he's been play- like he was touted to be the next big thing, but now he's been playing for like Zenit or something in the Russian league. Yeah, he's going for fifty million euros to the to the Saudi league now. It's like Alan Saint Maximin is better than him, like straight up. Yeah. Uh, but because Newcastle and that any any league, any team in the Saudi league really have got a direct, they've got the same ownership. It's it's just it's just like that. In what other world is that, would that be allowed? Like, yeah, this is why like. Leagues like the AFL and the NFL and, the, and basketball are so good because that could never be allowed to happen. Yeah, like, it's shady for sure. But like, imagine yeah. if the same like if like who's a who's a if Gina Reinhart right just just for example, like yeah, one of the rich, one of the richest people in Australia owned uh, who who are two rival clubs Collingwood and Carlton right yeah, um, or not even rival clubs owned like you know Sydney and the Hawks right, and then it was just like oh we're gonna take. Uh, who's a young uh, Isaac Heaney and just put him on the Hawthorne just put him on Hawthorne but, uh, but like we're not gonna but, and the, we're all, all we're gonna compensate uh, the Swans with is like one draft pick yeah it's just b- because the, well, I'm owned by the same people so it doesn't matter yeah it's like it's ridiculous it's it's definitely shady but I mean the the rules um, in inverted commas uh, you know around like foreign ownership and you know money in football essentially have been trending that way for a long yeah, time. Yeah, and I hate it. And so. it's like, it's just disenfranchising me more and more. Like, like I, 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 I think, I, like, for a while, I remember when we had Resicon and we were like, oh, like, you know, everyone has a, has a level, like, anyone who owns a football team and has amassed that amount of wealth has done some shady shit to do it. The more I thought about it, the more I'm like, no, this, what the Saudis have done is way worse than any American billionaire that owns a team. Mm. Like, way worse. And, yeah. yeah, it just... They've probably got investments in... Saudi Arabia like yeah. like they might do but like it's I don't know it's just for me like every time the Saudis take a player that's in, that's a promising or like a player that's in their prime from the Euro Leagues and join their like stupid cardboard league like it's just just yeah. just makes me less and less interested hmm. yeah but anyway let's, let's talk about a few more players <laughs> that have signed or gone to other clubs uh, starting with uh, Wilfred Zaha has gone to Galatasaray. Has he? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame. How much um, did that have, How much did that go for? Um, not much, as far as I'm concerned. Undisclosed fee, according to Fabrizio yeah. Mano. But yeah, I, I hope he's getting paid more. Because if he's not, then hmm, that'll be a really weird move. That's a big loss for the Premier League. Big loss for Premier League. Big loss for Palace, really. Yeah. I'm not sure what Roy's going to do next season. Yeah. Um, the next one is Sabitzer has gone to Dortmund. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, that's good. That's I think that, I think like he played decently when he was a United, but I think now you've put that much money into Mason Mount that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also I think just like with Dortmund, they lost Dahoud to um, Brighton, and they lost and they lost Bellingham obviously. So need him and probably another midfielder. Yeah. To rebolster that midfield, uh, Henderson to Al Etifaki. Uh, <laughs> I've seen all the memes about Steven Gerrard and Jordan Henderson sort yeah. of negotiating wages. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah. But again, this is another thing, last thing I'll say about the Saudi League, 
is that like Jordan Henderson has been a very like outspoken vocal supporter of like the LGBT community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now he's just gone to Saudi Arabia where it's like illegal. I'm just like, that is, so it's just like, it makes me think that like either so many players across Europe aren't as morally sound as they preach to be or just all of them will like sell their morals for a check. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, 13 million deal for Henderson. Um, I think most Liverpool fans would have wanted a little bit more than that for him, but it is what it is, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, at this point, he is, you know, not quite up to where Liverpool want to be in terms Mm. of midfielders. So, An interesting question I got posed by a Liverpool fan the other day, it wasn't a question, it was just sort of his opinion that made me question it, is he has a case that he has a greater Liverpool legacy than Steven Gerrard. Wait, who said that? Yannick. Oh, I don't know. He's won the Premier League. Gerard never did. Yeah. Won the Champions League, which Gerard did do, but um, won more trophies in his time at Liverpool than Gerard did. Mm. Like, obviously, not as not as good a player, but yeah, in terms of, I, I in terms of like success, that, to, success yeah. that he brought to the club, like yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that he does. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I think it's also about like the single handedness sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I agree. Jordan, yeah, Jordan Henderson. But also, he, he like did. presided over a better like tr- time trophy wise at Liverpool, but yeah. could never make the impact that True. Gerard made by himself. But there's also an argument for the fact that he was the captain of a team that won all of those things mm. that Liverpool won, and he was very, very good. But yeah, I think it's just yeah, it's, it's a hard, it's, yeah, a no, no, it's a hard sell. It's, <laughs> it's a, a hard, hard sell. To sell. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, moving on. I'm doing a bit of a speed run now. Uh, Raúl Jiménez has been signed on uh, to Fulham. For 5.5 million euros. Oh, has he? Yeah, because I saw all the Mitch, stuff about Mitrovic. Mitrovic yeah. yeah. If apparently it still hasn't been confirmed because Fulham are trying to like stop it from happening. Yeah. But if it does happen, Jimenez is not a good enough replacement for Mitrovic. Mm. I'm sorry, that is like it's like replacing like Harry Kane with Danny Welbeck. Like it's not. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great because Fulham like refused to let him go, didn't they? They they blocked a move to Saudi. Yeah, and like Mitrovic was like unhappy about it because he wants to make some money. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so. But definitely agree that that's you know a downgrade. Downgrade for sure. Um, all right, now we've got uh, a deal that you'll have some fun talking about. Uh, Dan Juma to Everton on loan. Oh Season yeah. Season on loan. <laughs> Give us your thoughts. I think, I mean, they seem to have handled it pretty well on like social media. That it's a bit of like a meme transfer, given that you he know, denied he, you guys. Yeah. yeah, he left us at the eleventh hour. Um, last time round to join Tottenham, um, but you know that aside, I'm pretty happy with it. Like that's He's a good player. That's an area that we need. Yeah. Um, and I think it's been handled pretty well by both the player and the club on like social media. Like yeah. they've recognised what happened and. Yeah. Oh, did have they acknowledged it? Yeah, yeah. Dan Juma did. Yeah. Ah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's good. Yeah. As we see that uh, Norway and Switzerland game has ended it nil all. Pretty exciting game for nil all. Um, yeah. Quite a few keeper, good keeper saves and chances, but a point that Switzerland will be a lot more happy with than Norway for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I think Dan Juma. It's it, it's a good deal. It, it's a bit funny how it all played out, but mm. like, yeah, it's I'm, definitely a, an area that you that guys way. need in terms of like uh, pace and depth on the wing. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, like, as much as like I do love Everton, <laughs> I think. You know, Tottenham is a is a bigger club than us at the moment. Yeah. So if they come knocking and they're, 
you know, the season before pushing a little bit more for us for the for the top of the Premier League. Yeah. Not the top of the Premier League. Key the phrase being for the Premier League. Key phrase being they're a bigger club at the moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um yeah. So I think it's good, um, but it's a bit funny how yeah. it played out. Uh yeah, no, I would agree with all those things. Um second last thing I want to talk about. Uh, Anthony Alanga has joined Not- Nottingham Forest on loan. I found that one very. Oh, actually, strange. on a permanent fee, not on a permanent fee. Yeah, I yeah. found that very strange. Yeah, cause they've got so many players that they need to like bred into their team. Mm. That and so many like I feel like they've got quite a few attacking sort of midfield and wing options. Mm. That I don't know if they need to. I found it weird from United. Like, like maybe the player wants to be assured first team. I think football. yeah. I think it was more he wanted minutes. Yeah. Okay. True. Pretty fly down the pecking order at United. Because yeah, I thought when he did play for United that he was like a decent like you know, a decent option mm. off the wing, but they do have more options uh, there now than they did before. So it was linked with Everton for a little bit as well. He was, he was, but I guess the forest package is probably a little bit better. I'm yeah. assuming. Yeah. Also, I think the forest package was a permanent deal, not a loan, which is probably what United wanted. Yeah. And Nottingham Forest aren't yet wrapped in financial fair play <laughs> no. issues, but the way not they're yet. going, they could be. Not yet. And uh, lastly, the last thing we'll touch on before we ra- wrap up is that uh, Davinson Sanchez has finally uh, been allowed to escape from Tottenham and will sign for Spartak Moscow. Okay. In a £16 million move, which is a pretty good return for a player that's been much maligned like he has in his last few years. Did he play after that, like, brought him on at halftime and then take him I think he played, again? like, once more. He was, like, brought on once more, like, started one more, once more. Yeah. But like, yeah, not really. Pretty sour end to his time at Tottenham, but yeah, just 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 too error prone in the end. Yeah, but I, I think, think at the end of the day, it's good for Tottenham. Like, get that much money for him, and you know, push on with their rebuild. Yeah, like, yeah. and building the defenses in his own image. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, uh, that's it. I think that's everything. Um, be sure we'll be back next week to talk about a few more uh, happenings in the Women's World Cup and probably at this point a few more transfers and see if I'm any more annoyed about the Saudi situation than I am this week anyway as always if you have enjoyed listening to us uh, on Spotify be sure to give us a follow five star rating if uh, you feel so inclined and follow us on our Instagram 40 Twitch dot pod thanks very much we'll see you next week